what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Is the tight labor market frustrating you as a business owner? Do you have employees leaving for $1 to $2 extra per hour? Mako RX Complete Care is a quality healthcare solution that has allowed businesses to recruit and retain employees. To learn how Mako RX can help your business stay competitive, visit mako-rx.com or call 855-562-5679. Mako RX, healthcare simplified. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on the Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, two things that startups need to know about, but they don't like to talk about, legal issues and taxes. And today we're going to have both. We've got Fred Parker, a lawyer from the firm Gardner Skelton in Charlotte, North Carolina, to talk about legal and tax issues for small businesses and startups. Good news, though, lawyers and taxes are still more popular than politicians. So we've got that going for us. Plus, we'll also have our lightning round, and we've got some interesting small businesses that you should be checking out on our Small Business of the Month feature at the end of our podcast. So stay with us. My name is Jeff Newell. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is the executive dean of the Corporate Development Center at uh, Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how are you doing today? Jeff, I'm doing great. Things are going well. We just graduated our 2022 uh, students, and so that was very exciting. We had uh, really a great turnout for it. You know, of course, coming out of COVID, you never know how things are going to go, but people obviously do want to go uh, to graduations and walk across the stage and get their diploma. So well, they've, things been, are good they've been working for a long time. We want to help them celebrate that, and, and we're, we're glad that we, we got through graduation. Yes. Does that mean that you get to relax a little bit? No, because all the things we couldn't do getting ready for graduation, now we have to get them done this summer. But yeah. it is a little bit less... Uh, stressful than it is at okay. uh, well, the you, end of the spring. You always have stuff going on. There, yes. there seems to be no rest for the weary. No, that's true. We're doing a lot of things. Skills USA nationals are coming up. I know. In June, and you'll be going to Atlanta, Atlanta to participate the in the Skills USA program. Yep, you're a busy guy. 34 students competing. Well, Many of your students are going to be there. Oh, that's good. Entrepreneurship students will well. be going for the uh, national championship. Well, we look forward to seeing uh, They're good kids. We hope yep. that they do well, and we wish them well, and hope they, they have safe travels. But why don't we welcome our guest? That sounds great. We've got uh, Fred Parker with us. Uh, Fred is a partner with a law firm of uh, Gardner, Skelton, and Charlotte. Fred, how are you doing today? Good morning. How are you two doing? We're great. We're doing good. We're doing good. You're you're a traveling man today. We're and just we're taping this in late May. We're actually getting ready for a Memorial Day weekend, and and Fred is a working stiff, and uh, he's actually got uh, some meetings toward the eastern part of the state. So he's been kind enough to to work us into his schedule. So Fred, we're really uh, glad that you can join us. Uh, as I mentioned, Fred works with the firm Gardner Skelton in Charlotte. Uh, Gardner Skelton. Uh, has 10 attorneys. They work with regional, national, and international companies from startups to Fortune 500 companies. 
I've had the opportunity to work with Fred at our small business center, uh, where he uh, has led many seminars, workshops for our small business center clients, small business owners, startups on taxi issues, uh, legal structure issues. And um, Fred, like me, is a graduate of the University of North Carolina, so we always you know, can compare notes on that. He also attended the Georgetown University Law Center and got your Master's of Law in Taxation. Now, that sounds awful, Fred. Master's <laughs> of Law in Taxation. I mean, what, what sort of glutton for punishment would go through that? Exactly. I, I was looking for a little additional pain in my life, you know, having teenagers in the household and, you know, being a lawyer on top of that, I thought, why not add to the mix and go ahead and, you know, further educate myself in the world of taxation. Well, I'm a CPA. Go ahead, exactly. Fred, keep going. No, no, I was, you know, it's one of those things, you, I, I think it's been Franklin who said it's, you know, two certainties, death, taxes, and I was like, well, I might as well get to know both of them. There you Hopefully go. Hopefully the former... Later. <laughs> That's right. Well, I'm a CPA, and it does sound horrible, Jeff. Okay. I mean, I, I, mean, I <laughs> did really, a lot of good stuff, actually. I mean, I, I, I've had the pleasure of working with Fred for a few years, and he's he's very knowledgeable about taxes. I didn't know that he had a. I didn't know a master of law in taxation actually existed. So I, you know, I'm you know that that wacky internet. You know, you can find out things about people, Fred. So, uh, um, you know. Good work by you. Uh, Actually, it looks like a great combination when you're doing taxes. You do need to have a lawyer close at hand. Yeah, are, are, so, so, Fred, tell us just a little bit about some of the areas that you specialize in at uh, Gardner Skelton. Well, our firm is, we, we pride ourselves in that all of our, most of the lawyers, at least the partners, have come from uh, diverse backgrounds, uh, big firm, big law firm type of backgrounds, and we all have our own little niche that we follow. So Nicole Gardner, who's our uh, founding partner, she has an employment law background and that's kind of her world. And then Heather Skelton, uh, who joined in later, she, her world is healthcare and she's, there's not many healthcare lawyers in the world and she's, uh, she's developed a, a wonderful uh, business in Charlotte and it actually expands outside of Charlotte, you know, all throughout North Carolina, some into you know, other areas. And then Jared Gardner is our litigation partner. And he handles, you know, disputes that come up in the, in the uh, generally in the commercial world, but those types of things. And so when I came on board about eight years ago, my background was litigation as well, but also had some uh, a bit of taste in the business world. And so I remember when I first started being a lawyer, one of the fir first first cases that came in the office's door was a tax case, and because I was the newest lawyer, no one else wanted to do it. And so it got stuck on my desk and I had never done anything with taxes other than pay them. And that was my first foray into tax. I had no you know, formal training in it and so forth. And for whatever reason, I developed a little bit of an aptitude about it. And the type of work that I was doing was not necessarily planning at the time. It was more litigating with the state, with the, the federal government, with local counties over tax issues. And most of the time those tax issues derived from business situations where you have a business that was, you know, whether an existing business or a startup business and they're encountering the world of tax and running, at least from the government's perspective, afoul of the rules. And so I was helping them sort of navigate that world and it just kind of evolved over time. And 
I don't necessarily do that type of work anymore. More of the tax work I do now is more helping businesses and owners of businesses plan around tax issues. But it's an interesting world and it's a it's a fascinating world. It's the type of thing that no matter the no matter the type of business that you have, no matter what you're doing, you're gonna have to deal with it, whether you like it or not. And it's um it's one of those unfortunate issues that you know most people don't want to think about or they don't even know about it or whatever it may be but when they get into owning a business running a business working for a business it comes into play pretty much on a daily basis and 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 typically it's not something that people uh you know if i'm providing a service or product i'm probably really passionate about that Oh, I have to deal with taxes too. That's sort of a that's probably low on my priority list of uh, fun things to do. So, so it's uh, low on the priority list of fun things to do, but very important because it can cost you money, or you can save yourself some money if you got the right tax attorney right. Uh, working with you. Well, well, let, let's let's uh, try to provide our listeners with some 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 practical tips as we go through. So, so Fred, if we're talking about starting a business, uh, there are different legal structures that, that a, a small business owner or new business can be considering as they're forming. Uh, what are some things that they should be thinking about as they form their business and decide what legal structure they should be operating under? Are there things they need to be careful about? Are there mistakes that, they, that you commonly see? You know, any, how, do you, how do you advise people when it comes to the, the legal formation there? Well, it's the first thing to keep in mind is and we're, we're here in North Carolina, so we're talking about what options are generally available within North Carolina because it tends to run state by state as far as the, the legal structures that may be available. And depending on which state you're in, may determine which is more uh, popular as it may be or what more may be more advantageous to certain types of businesses. But generally, there's no, no right answer about the type of business that you should be other than, and we've talked about this in the webinars, partnerships and there are businesses that are called partnerships which are not necessarily legal structures they're just based on who is actually conducting the business and so if it's a sole proprietorship that generally means it's one individual operating the business there's no legal structure or anything they just decide to open up shop either manufacture and sell widgets or provide services to someone and they're they haven't formed an entity they're just it's one person that's what they're doing they're by default, a sole proprietor. And if that one person decides to add one or two other, whether it's other businesses or other people into the mix, then we're talking about partnerships because you have more than one, but you have no legal structure, but by default under the rules, that's considered a partnership. And in this day and age, the one thing I will say, which is the wrong answer is you do not want to be a sole proprietorship and you, want, you don't want to be by default a partnership because of the risks and liabilities that accrue, potentially accrue with both of those types of business pursuits. So generally I would say those are the wrong answers. Do not do either one of those. No sole proprietorship, no by default partnership. There's other options available and it's not that difficult to go down the path of those different options. And, and, and when you say when you say risk, you know what what sort of risk are we stepping into? I, I mean, I, I sort of assume that uh, if you're operating as a sole proprietor or partnership, uh, basically you've got no legal protections. Is that uh, the way to be looking at it? Correct. So if you're a sole proprietor, 
you are effectively treated, your individual life is intertwined with your business life. And whatever business issues come up, and no matter what type of business you have, I unfortunately, I guarantee you're gonna experience some sort of issue as you go through life. It could be an employment issue, it could be a dispute with a vendor, it could be a dispute with a client, it could be a dispute with any just random party, it could be a dispute with the government, whatever, you know, there's all sorts of potential disputes that you're going to encounter. And if you do not have a legal structure in place, those disputes are gonna flow right through your business life into your personal life. And so all of your personal, not all, but important personal assets become subject to those claims. And that's not great. I mean, that's- You're jeopardizing everything. Exactly. Yeah, your 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 car, your house, your dog, uh, you know, your kids, you know, so all those things are at risk. You Is, know, the kids may be that may you may be worth worth, <laughs> but definitely not the dog. Uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Absolutely. Well, says so, says the man with teenagers, but yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, so we understand. We um, <laughs> we we've been there. Yes. So uh, so if uh, sole proprietor and partnership isn't the way to go, yeah. You know, at least in North Carolina, and I guess maybe other states, uh, there is something called the LLC or limited liability company. Is that often a way new businesses might consider uh, structuring themselves? Right. So the you know the the issues of liability protection with a sole proprietor and a partnership. One of the ways that you can help protect yourself, and it's not a guarantee. It's not a slam dunk that it's going to happen because you have to do it properly. But there are legal structures out there that you can form that will help create a shield between your individual life and your business life. And so historically, corporations have been around since the dawn of time, and they've like 500 some odd years. And they are the oldest, they're the most, they have the most precedent out there. They're the most law that deals with corporations. And you have different types of corporations. You can have a C corporation, which is, you know, if you think about most publicly held entities that everyone knows about, Apple, Microsoft, Bank of America, Duke Energy, so forth, they're all gonna be C corporations. Then you may have what are called nonprofit corporations. And those are gonna be, as the name suggests, you know, nonprofit types of entities, which could be a hospital system, it could be the Boys and Girls Club, it could be United Way, it could be Boy Scouts. Those are nonprofit corporations. And then you can also have what are called S corporations. And an S corporation is, you know, you form your corporation and you make an election with the federal government to be treated as an S corporation that distinguishes itself from a C corporation. And those have been around a while. And so there's something, and people may have heard of things like B corporations. B corporations, they're not really recognized in North Carolina. There's not, it's not really a formal formation of them. It's more a recognition by a non-government agency that says, okay, there's something called a B corporation. It's intended to be a little bit more philanthropic and a little bit more charitable with its pursuits, but it's not, it's not technically its own type of corporation. So the new player in the field is called this limited liability company, which started up in the mid eighties. And it is, whereas corporations are very national and international and they're all over the place. Limited liability companies are very state specific. And so they're governed by state rules and each state has different rules that apply to limited liability companies. And I think the last time I checked, I believe all the states recognize limited liability companies, but I'm not, don't, don't quote me on that. Most of them do. 
And they're intended to be a hybrid between all the benefits of a corporation, which the biggest benefit is liability protection. And it's intended to match that with the benefits of partnership as far as tax law, not partnership that we were talking about before as far as an entity where you have a bunch of people working together with no structure in place. But the partnership tax regime under the federal tax code is has certain benefits to it that do not flow through as far as a corporate tax code does. So it was intended to be a hybrid model of a corporate form, partnership tax brought together and fine type of operation. You don't have as many formalities as a corporation does. Um, depending upon the type of corporation you have, you know, it may limited, limit the type of owners that are the number of owners and the types of owners. So, so, uh, zillions of levels. So, I, I was going to ask you this question, you, you know, and, and sort of move into um, the area of, you know, if, I'm assuming more than one person can be involved in owning an LLC. Uh, I, I assume that that is okay. And you know, you've sort of directed us to avoid uh, sole proprietorships or partnerships. But if I'm starting a LLC or business with a friend, a colleague, do I need some form of partnership agreement between me and that friend or colleague or business associate? Uh, you know, and is that, is that, you know, talk to us a little bit about what a partnership agreement is and, and is that something I need to be thinking about? Great question. And absolutely. If you <laughs> ignore one of my first rules, which is you're going to be a partnership, which means you and your colleague decide to pursue a business venture for profit and you don't form a structure, you just decide to do it then there's got to be an agreement between the two of you. And if you don't document it, you're going to have two different perspectives about what that agreement is. <clears throat> and historically, and based on my experience, and I'm sure based on everybody's experiences listening to this, people generally tend to take the position that benefits them when, they, when they're trying to determine, okay, what is the agreement supposed to be? So to avoid that, absolutely, if you're going to be a partnership, you want to have a written partnership agreement, and it doesn't have to be anything lengthy. It can be fairly straightforward, but you want to cover the what ifs. So when I say what ifs, it's it's okay. Who's who's bringing what to the table? And that's you know, is someone putting in cash? Is someone putting in property? Is someone contributing knowledge and know-how? Are they contributing other time? Are they going to work for the partnership, and the other one's going to be more of a silent? investor in the background, you have to define what, who's bringing what to the table. And then once they bring it to the table, what's going to happen then? Is someone working for the partnership or both people working for the partnership? Who's doing what? So you want to define that. And then you want to define, okay, what do you get out of the partnership? So if you're going to be working for it, are you expecting to get paid? Are you going to be paid equally? Is someone going to get a preferred, you know, is it going to be split 70, 30, 60, 40? Is someone going to going to get a preferred return because they invested money as opposed to time. That's something to think about. And then disputes. Inevitably, you're going to get into arguments over things. And that's okay. That's good. You want to have different perspectives on how to run the business. That's, you know, you're not going to always agree on things. And so how do you handle those? Well, if you don't, if there's nothing put in writing, the only way you're really going to handle it is go to court and fight about it. 
And then again, if there's no, nothing in writing, it's going to be he said, she said, she said, he said, she said, she said, he said, he said, whatever the different perspectives are. And then the other thing, that, one of the final things to think about is what happens when either someone wants out of the business. You know, I mentioned before the certainties in the world, death, someone's going to die at some point. What happens then? What happens if they get divorced? If they're married and they get divorced, what happens to the, in that situation? What happens if someone just is, wants to retire or wants to scale back and not work as hard or work as much? If you don't have, if you don't think about those things, when the time comes, you're going to get into a fight. You're going to get into a dispute. And so it's better to take the time to write those things down. And again, it doesn't have to be anything crazy complicated. So, so, so question, you know, if, if, you know, you know, Gary and I get along fairly Mm -hmm. well and, and, you know, we, we, uh, you know, always talk about starting an LLC to do micro brews, you know, but I'm more of an ale lager guy and he's more of an IPA guy. And I could see us at some point, you know, really getting into fisticuffs about the, you know, the type of products that we're going to be making. Uh, but we're forming an LLC. Do we should should we also have some sort of partnership agreement that defines some of our roles and responsibilities? Yes, except it's called an operating agreement, okay. in North Carolina. So you you will have an operating agreement when you start an LLC. The question is whether it's written or not. And so you have there's certain default rules that come into play <laughs> under the, the laws in North Carolina that say. Okay, if it's not really specified, this is how the LLC is going to operate and exist, and if it dissolves, how it's supposed to dissolve, and so forth. So you have these default rules in place, but some some of them you can't deviate from, but some of them you can, and so that operating agreement will dictate okay how you guys are supposed to get along, how you're supposed to conduct the business, how you're supposed how the financials are supposed to be handled, how the taxes are supposed to be handled. <clears throat> what happens if someone decides to leave the entity? How you know, I didn't mention it before, but another important thing is when that time comes, how do you value that business, that, that mm-hmm. interest in the LLC when they leave? Because they're, they're probably not just going to give it up. And unlike a divorce, a, like a familial divorce, which is relatively easy to do, getting a business divorce is not easy. You can't just force someone out. And so there has to be an agreement at some point where someone agrees to leave. And usually the only way they're going to agree to leave is if they're paid something for their interest in exchange for them leaving. The key I'm hearing is, uh, and I've heard my whole life, is when you're getting together, like Jeff and I are going to do this uh, great business Mm -hmm. and we're friends, but usually you need an agreement at the end when, as you say, you're just leaving and everybody's happy. But if you have challenges in businesses, which we all do, you need to have that agreement because everybody's got rose-colored glasses when they're going into business together. But when things go a little south, that's when you have to have it written so that it makes it easier for both of you when you're or I, the I, number of partners. I, I give us I give us two years before we're killing each other. Yeah, I think that's yeah. true. So all right. So uh, <laughs> and it's not just you know that's in, in your situation, obviously, you guys would get along wonderfully and you would handle the business fantastically and be wonderful business partners. But yeah. you're not, you may not be the, the two of you may not be the people disagree. It could be your ex spouse. It could be your estate after one of you passes away. That may be the people that you're dealing with and they may not be as agreeable as you are. Well, that's a very good so, point. And you said it a minute ago, but that's real. If, if, 
when people that weren't involved in the business or weren't very close to it and were not around, that's when the problems could really happen. I could see that. I think the business would do much better if our wives were running it, actually. Well, I think that's probably true in our case. All right. Well, let's. So, so you know, we're, we're talking some about some of the legal issues of starting businesses, but you know, since you've got your your masters in taxation, Fred, uh, you, you know, uh, uh, you you also work with people, and you you've been very generous in working with our small business center clients to help them understand and adhere to tax law. Uh, you know, what what sort of mistakes do you see? Uh, from businesses and in, in your experience when it comes to, to tax laws, is the planning issues or, or the preparation issues or uh, just ignorance of, of what some of those laws might be out there? But what sort of mistakes do you often see when it comes to, to, to small business and taxes? Well, I tend to take the, just based on experience, more often than not, the, the issues that come about are not necessarily some sort of nefarious effort by the the business owner to, you know, shirk the responsibilities to the federal, state, local governments. It's more lack of knowledge. And the tax code, as I'm sure Gary will attest to, but CPA, he knows it much more in depth, much more in depth than I do, but it's really thick. And that's just the federal tax code. I mean, it's, it's title 26 of the U S code. And it takes up at least three to four feet of book space on a shelf. <laughs> And that's just the code. And then you have the regulations that go along with it. And that's another three to four feet of books. And then you have cases that go along with it. And you have these revenue procedures and guidance that the IRS puts out. And that's, again, that's just federal level. That's just income tax. That's estate tax. That's gift tax. That's excise tax. That's it. Then you're dealing with the state. The state has, depending upon the state, it could have anywhere from you know, 20, 30, 40 different types of taxes that you deal with depending upon the type of industry you are and what, what you're doing. You could have you know, business personal property taxes, real estate taxes, you could have employment taxes, unemployment taxes, all these things. And then the local taxes, you also have to deal with as well. So more often than not, the problems that I've experienced is the people just did not know that they had to deal with this type of tax, whatever it may be. And so, and it's not, it's unfair to ask a business owner because usually when a business owner goes into business, their passion is manufacturing and selling a widget or selling their services. That's what they want to do. They do not want to get embroiled into the tax code. Mm-hmm. And the, the best advice I could give somebody is don't try to. Find out from, you know, talk to people that you trust and find out who they work with and who they've had good, good experience with as far as a, an accountant to work with, you know, a payroll company to work with, people that they can rely on to do that work for them so they can devote their time and attention to earning money so they can pay taxes and have someone else help them with that because it's, you know, the government, you want to make sure you have someone that you trust and is good because the government does not care whether you're the one who creates the problem or whether your accountant creates the problem. It's still your problem. They're not going to, they're not going to give you any leeway. So you want to make sure you work with somebody who knows what they're doing, but that, that's the best advice as far as dealing with taxes. Find someone that you, you can trust to work with and don't, you know, it's going to cost money. It's worth it. It's worth every penny because when the time comes that you have to report your taxes and pay your taxes and so forth, the easier it is 
you'll be able to earn it back with the time that you're devoting to actually running your business as opposed to dealing with taxes. So, so I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm, I'm going to throw this out to you guys uh, as, as a tax lawyer type person and a, a reform CPA. And, um, <laughs> Uh, you know, when I when I talk to small business clients, you know, in terms of categorizing the sort of tax issues that might come up, you know, you've got your your and and I work with a lot of LLCs, which are often reporting the profits of their business on their 1040 income mm-hmm. tax statement. But you know, you've got your you've got your federal and state income tax issues to worry about. Uh, you've got your, often you have, depending on the type of business that you're in, uh, state sales tax mm-hmm. type issues that, uh, they might have to be worrying about. I guess I'm, I'm, I guess where I'm going, are there basic categories of taxes that people should be aware of? They might not be experts, but they, they should know there's some boxes I have to check. If I don't know how to check them, I better be talking to my accountant or or I can go to the North Carolina Department of Revenue for some guidance or I can go to the IRS for some guidance, whatever. But I, are there certain categories that they should be focused or concerned about? Fred, do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, I mean, absolutely. The, the taxes that I am very sort of sensitive of are those taxes which you – which the business owner is paying on behalf of someone else. And that is traditionally sales taxes mm-hmm. and payroll, payroll taxes. taxes. And when that, in those types of situations, the business owner, it's not their money. They are taking mm-hmm. money from someone else, either a customer with sales tax or an employee with payroll tax. They're holding it in trust for the government. And then they're paying it to the government at some periodic you know, amount of time. And if you run afoul of those, those uh, trust types of taxes, that's bad because the, under the law, that's akin to stealing from the government. And it's you know, not paying your income taxes, that's bad enough. Generally, that's, but that's your money. That's what you're responsible for. Not that the government won't come after you for not paying your income tax, but they will really come after you if you're not paying the taxes that someone else has paid to you to hold the trust. So. That's a really Absolutely. good distinction. If, you're, if you yeah. have a business, right, and it's you don't really think about it, and you don't really know about it, and most people think, okay, taxes are taxes, and to a degree that's the case, but certain taxes definitely have a higher priority yeah. than others, and your your life, your business, and your life can really be turned upside down if you fall behind in either of those obligations. Well, and it is something that does happen with small business owners when they get in trouble. They don't think about, or they do think about it, and they say, well, okay, I just won't pay my uh, ta- sales tax, or I won't pay the payroll tax, just like you are talking about, because it's, yeah. it's not your money. Well, <laughs> or, or, the, or they think that I can use this, but don't worry, I'll replenish it uh, by the end of the month or the yeah. end of the quarter, and it'll be, all be okay, and... and uh, Something happens and cash flow doesn't work the think they the way they think it might work, and then they're unable to pay those sales tax. So I've I've I've, I've unfortunately seen some folks who have been in that situation, and it's, I have too. It's a little bit it's a little bit scary. So that's yeah. good good thing. Now, Fred, I know when you and I do 
webinars for our small business center clients, always a big topic of conversation is what are the are, are what are the legal expenses out there that I can be deducting because I you know when when you deal with folks who are starting businesses, they come in, they're very excited, they're going to make lots of money right up until the time it's time to pay taxes and they say, oh, I, I didn't make that much money right. or there are things that I can be deducting to reduce my tax expense in a legal fashion. So in terms of the big categories, people can can go out there and find deductions on in a legal manner. You know, what, uh, Fred, what, what categories should they be thinking about associated with their business that you better be tracking this because you can take legal deductions. So it's important that you track this information. What what uh, areas do you focus on there? Well, the you know you have the first sort of threshold question is whether an expense is deductible at all, and it's generally it's you know reasonable in, in ordinary course of your business as to far as whether it can be deductible and what that you know that seems like a fairly simple type of statement, but there are mountains of cases and mountains of regulations and so forth about what that really means. And if you, you're trying to get into the minutiae as far as, okay, is this deductible or is that deductible? There's a lot of gray area there. And so it, it, that's why there's a lot of, you always, particularly small businesses, if you have a small business, the red flag is up with the government because historically small businesses is where you see a lot of venturing across the line, so to speak, as far as whether it's something deductible or, you know, what claiming something is a business expense, whether it's deductible or not. The large corporations, the large businesses where they actually have, you know, the IRS will park somebody there, you know, 24 seven work it. They generally don't do that type of thing. They're a little bit more compliant generally speaking, as far as whether a business expense is deductible or not. The small businesses, that's where things kind of go awry. And that's why if you have a small business, it's almost certain that at some point you're going to get a letter audit from the government saying, we need to check about this particular tax year. And it always comes down to business expenses. And that threshold question of whether it's reasonable and ordinary, I always tell folks, you know, describe to me what you're doing. You know what you want to do and describe to me what the type of money that you're spending to start your business and then based on that we kind of come up with an idea of okay yeah that qualifies or no that doesn't qualify and a lot of it comes down to at least when you're starting the business is it the type of thing that you would buy in your normal day-to-day life or is it something that you really are spending on that type of business so do i need a laptop to do you know my personal type, you know, surfing on the internet, buying things on Amazon, whatever it may be. Of course I do. But if I decide to buy one with the idea, I may do a little bit of that, but I'm also going to be doing it, working for the business. Okay. That's going to be something that can be used as a business expense. Now, if I want to do it right, I'll need to apportion Mm -hmm. that cost between the two, between your business life and your personal life, if you want to do it properly. Other types of, you know, when you're starting up, you're going to have, you know, I shouldn't say you have to, but it's a good idea to talk to an accountant. It's a good idea to talk to a lawyer. It's a good idea to talk to an insurance agent. It's a good idea to talk to a, you know, a bank or a lending institution because you want to develop these relationships. And some of those conversations may cost money. That's going to be a business expense because you wouldn't do it otherwise. Now, whether it's something that you would have that you would get to deduct in the year the year the year that you incur it, or whether it would be capitalized 
so that you don't necessarily deduct it at one time, you deduct it over a period of time. That's another question. That's, you know, whether it's going to be a capital expense or whether it's going to be an ordinary expense you deduct in the year that you actually incur it. But apart from that, it's, you're talking about things that, what, is it necessary for my business? Do I need it for my business? Can I go, can I talk to, I always imagine myself when I, when I have a question like this, I'm standing in court, a judge is looking at me and it's one of those mean judges. It's like the judge from my cousin, Benny. he's saying, Mr. Parker, explain to me why you claim this expense on your tax returns. And can I legitimately make an argument to that judge as to why I claim that is a business expense because I need it for my business. And that's, it's a silly way of looking at it, but it's, you know, obviously there, there's rules out there kind of limiting what I, what you can I do, think but a, that's the first place I, I start with. That's a really good strategy. I, when I'm doing people's taxes or helping them, I say, we're going to go and do it the best way possible. So if I'm looking at a judge or talking to an IRS agent, I can say, I did everything in good faith the best way I knew how. I don't want to be trying to hem and haul. I mean, even if he says, well, you're not right, Mr. Mueller, I want to be able to tell him in good faith that I was trying to do it the best way possible. So, so Fred, if we were to play a mini lightning round on expenses, and I'll throw some out, and you can tell me whether, you know, let's, let's not get into the weeds, you know, and, and, but, you know, would they generally be legitimate expenses, you know, for a business? Uh, Yes or no? Like, so I'm using my car as part of my business, and I'm tracking my mileage for what I use for my business. Legitimate expense? Yes or no? Yes. If I'm using my cell phone, I use it both for personal and for business, and I guess when you say proportionate, I would have to have some estimate of how much of it is being used for each, but if it's 50-50, can I deduct 50% of my cell phone bill? I believe so. Okay. Uh, I'm going uh, to the Bahamas on vacation, but I'm going to find a way to make a little business call while I'm down there. Can I deduct my Bahamas trip? Probably not. Okay. I guess it would depend on what you're doing in the Bahamas. No, um, as far as if, snorkeling. if, the, if the business venture uh, is bohemian in nature. Uh, not yet, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm researching. I'm researching that it could be someday. <laughs> okay, probably not. Yeah, don't put him on the spot. There. Okay, probably not. okay, probably okay. Not. And I appreciate the softballs here. Thank you. Okay, and so I'm I'm working out of my home. I have a e-commerce business, and I've set up an office in my home to conduct my e-commerce business. Is there a deduction for working out of my home? Yes, there is a home-based business deduction. There, there's a couple of different options with it, but assuming you follow the rules that go along with either option, yes, that is a potential expense. What about my Netflix subscription? Well, I guess it depends on the type of business. If you're like a movie producer or a TV producer mm -hmm. and you have to watch that, that content in order to do your work. Then yeah. I just like to watch, I just watch Ozark a lot because it, it's a good show, but uh, it's really got nothing to do with my business. Uh, no, I'll like, answer uh, that. I would question, yeah. <laughs> I, I question why you're claiming a, you know, $10 a month expense anyway. All right. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Um, well, it, look, you, you, you've been, you've been very helpful. I, I, 
yeah, you and I always joke around a little bit when we do webinars, and that um, when and 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 we'll we'll say it's similar for our our podcast today. Uh, Fred, you are not actually the person that makes these rules, are you? Uh, you know, and and the IRS is not actually the federal organization that comes up with these rules either. So if our uh, class attendees or listeners do not like them. Should they complain? Should they play to Gary or Fred, or who should they complain it to? It won't help if they come to me. That's right. They are welcome to complain all they want, but it's not going to go very far. Uh, that's a very good point. The IRS does not generally does not determine the rules. They will offer guidance on certain things, but the rule makers is Congress or, or Congress, and that's the same thing at the state level. It's the same thing at the the local level. There there are. You know, the way our government is set up, you have a legislature. They're the ones who determine the rules. And then you have someone who enforces them, you know, puts them into play or puts them into practice. And that's what the IRS does. So it's a, and the IRS gets a bad rap as far as, you know, its position in our world, in our country, but it's, it's doing the best it can with, it does the best it can with what it's given, both in the rules that are, it has to enforce, but also the means and resources in order to enforce. Them. Well, you're 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 being you're 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 being very polite, but in a nice way, you're saying that if you don't like tax laws, you should talk to your legislature. You're 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 either you're if you don't like the federal tax laws, talk to your congressmen and or senators, and if you don't like your state laws, talk to your local representatives. So, is that That's true. is that fair, Fred? That is fair. Okay. Uh, and I apologize to any politicians that are listening, but that's what you signed up for. That's, that's right. <laughs> no apologies are necessary. Fred, we really appreciate you joining us today. We're going to do our real lightning round with you in just a moment. But before we do that, we want to thank our sponsor for uh, today's Entrepreneur Exchange. Is the tight labor market frustrating you as a business owner? Do you have employees leaving for $1 or $2 extra per hour? Mako RX Complete Care is a quality healthcare solution that has allowed businesses to recruit and retain employees. To learn how Mako RX can help your business stay competitive, visit mako-rx.com. That's M-A-K-O-rx.com, or call 855-562-5679. Mako RX Healthcare Simplified, and we really appreciate. Uh, Mako supporting the Entrepreneur Exchange, and we encourage our listeners to check them out and see if they can be of help to you or your business. So, so anyway, Fred, appreciate you being here today. We're going to do our quick lightning round with you. Now, these are quick questions. We want quick answers, so don't you know? No pontificating now. Okay, you're going to have to give us quick quick answers. That's tough for a lawyer. I know, <laughs> I know. We're we're putting you on the spot here. So, first question: What is your biggest pet? Lack of consideration. Okay. Next question. Dean Smith or Roy Williams? Oh, goodness. I'll go Dean. <laughs> okay. Beatles, Rolling Stones, or Harry Styles? Stones. Can't really go wrong with the Beatles or the Stones. I just didn't know I if your teen. I didn't know if your teenagers were like pulling you into a bad space there. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know who Harry Styles is. Good for you. That's that's <laughs> that's the right answer. Uh, 
do you have any TV or movie recommendations for our listeners that you've been watching lately? Well, I will say my favorite actor is Clint Eastwood. Okay. Before Bridges of Madison County. Before Bridges of Madison. Okay. Every, every, I'm sure all the movies after that are pretty good, but I stopped watching his movies after that. I couldn't get around that. <laughs> Would you go with Unforgiven? Would that be one you might recommend? Love Unforgiven. Uh, Pale, if I had to, Pale Rider and Outlaw Josie Wales are probably my two favorites. All but right. I'm also a big Dirty Harry fan and love those movies. Okay. All right. So more, more classic old school Clint Eastwood. Yes, okay. sir. All right. Which brings out a stronger emotion for you, your love of the University of North Carolina or your hatred of Duke? A love. Okay. I got to have love. Okay, good answer. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Gosh. Oh, me. Um, I'll say Heavenly Hash. Okay. Last question for you. If you could have one superpower, what would it be? Flying. All right. That's good. Good mm-hmm. answer. All right. Well, well, thank you for playing the lightning round, Fred. You did very well. <laughs> they were all sure right. have set us all back by about five years. No, no, no. You, you, you did better than most. So, Fred, if people want to find you and Gardner Skelton, where should they be looking? Look up into the sky, and you'll see a beam of light, and you'll see our, you know, the signal, the Gardner Skelton. The Gardner Skelton s- signal? Do they have a website by yeah. chance? That's pretty impressive, though, Woody. Oh. Uh, if you want to use technology, I guess, you can go to our website, which is uh, GardnerSkelton.com. All right. So, Gardner. G- we very much appreciate it. Yeah, G-A-R-D-N-E-R Skelton, S-K-E-L-T-O-N.com. So, that's uh, you can find out more information about uh, Fred's firm. You can probably find him there, and and uh, you'll learn that, uh, you know, he's got a master's in tax taxation or, or, or something law like Law and taxation. Well, law and taxation. All right. So, anyway. Fred, you, you've been a great guest. We appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Uh, we always like to wind up our podcast by sharing some small businesses that we've come across. Fred, do you do you uh, have any shout-out for any small businesses uh, uh, at this point? I think you mentioned before this is the first day of Memorial Day weekend, and I I want to give, a I guess, a shout-out to all veteran-owned businesses. I've, yeah. I enjoy what they I appreciate everything that they do and everything they've given to our country, to our, you know, to our people, to everything, the freedom that we all enjoy. And I love when they start a business and they own a business and it, it, it's very inspirational. I think that's very appropriate. Thank Excellent. you. Gary, you have a small business you want to share this uh, month? I do. I had one I was going to talk about, but then uh, one of your students, Chase Collins, mm-hmm. uh, made a presentation to a group of business leaders about his new business, Hickory Helpers. He's one of our students going to SkillsUSA in the national uh, competition in extemporaneous speaking, which is getting a topic five or ten minutes before you go speak for uh, that topic for five or seven minutes, which is a really tough program. So he's an outstanding young man. Of course, you've worked very closely with him. Uh, But his Hickory Helpers business, I was very impressed with Chase and the things that he's doing uh, to prepare and get his business so it will continue to grow in the future. But he's just an impressive young man. So anybody needing help around the house, 
uh, washing the walls, uh, power, washing, power washing, gutter cleaning, and all types of things yeah. outside. And uh, I trust him with about anything around the house. Yeah, no, so he's I just a sharp give guy. Him a shout out. All right, Chase Collins and Hickory Helper, way to go! Yeah. You're doing some good work out there. Uh, so, small business. I'm going to give a shout out to as. I think you both know. I had uh, the pleasure of uh, traveling uh, to Europe uh, uh, last month, and and when I was preparing to travel, you know, you re- you read all these articles about things you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do, and and one of the things they always say is, you know, don't don't have a wallet in your back pocket. There are pickpockets all over. You're going to lose your wallet, and that made me nervous, and and uh, I started re- researching these really thin wallets mm-hmm. that you can maybe put in your front pants or your yeah. front pocket. Yeah. So it would be much, le- much less likely to be stolen, or at least uh, you might be much more aware of it yeah. if someone's trying to get there. So I, I came across a company that, uh, that looked pretty cool. It's called Bellroy, B-E-L-L-R-O-Y, bellroy.com. You can check them out. And they do slim wallets, but they also do a lot of Everyday essentials, duffel bags, backpacks. Uh, uh, they, I, I, I found it interesting because uh, when Fred was talking about legal structure, they claim to be a certified B corporation, which I had heard of before. You know, I wasn't totally sure what that entails. And you know, if you look it up, it's companies that say that they meet the highest standards of. Verified social and environmental performance, governance, transparency, transparency, and legal accountability. And I guess, as Fred mentioned, they have some philanthropic bent in how they go about doing their business. And uh, in terms of the materials they use, uh, uh, in terms of the way they go about uh, their business, they they just seem like a pretty cool company. So, uh, as Joe Bob would say, you should check it out at Bellroy B E L L R O Y dot com. Just sort of a, a well, you cool saw me write there. it down because if you remember, I don't like carry a wallet. Okay, I don't like to carry it uh, in my back pocket. So slim wallet. I thought that was always so I had to pay for lunch, Gary. Well, that's true. Too. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, look, if you've got a suggestion for uh, our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email them to us at eexchange at the mesh TV. We uh, want to thank Fred Parker for joining us today. Fred, it is always a pleasure to see you and uh, talk with you, and I look forward to talking with you more uh, in, in the future. We appreciate the work that you do with small businesses and startups here in North Carolina and volunteering your time to, to lead a lot of sessions for the IRS. So thank you very much for your work, and thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Fred. Appreciate it. We also privilege is mine. We also want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network for hosting us, and and we also want to give a thanks to Mako RX for supporting the podcast. So please do check them out at www.mako-rx.com, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to everyone again next month. Have a good uh, have a good time. Take care. Stay cool. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. 
discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.